Before thee let my cry come near, O Lord, true to thy word, teach me before thee. We are thankful that you are able to join us today as Pastor Mark Robinette preaches another sermon at Foundation Church here in Mount Sterling, Ohio. If this message is an encouragement to you, and we pray that it will be, please consider taking the time to go to www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org and let us know. Thank you, and may the Lord richly bless you through His Word. Let my lips thy praise confess, yea, of thy word my tongue would sing, Greetings this Lord's Day, beautiful people. Greetings. You are all so beautiful to me. That may sound like a funny word. Maybe even some of you guys don't like to be referred to as beautiful. But do you know God's word refers to you that way? That God takes pleasure in his people. That they are beautiful in his sight. I give thanks for you daily and seeing you all together each Sunday has been one of my greatest joys. God takes pleasure, as I said, in our gathering too. Remember how we talked about this recently in the sermon where I was talking about that we have the ability to affect God, that we have the ability to touch God, to uh, bring God, I don't exactly understand it, but somehow bring God pleasure. That's an amazing thing to me. Psalm 149, where David wrote these words, he said, Praise ye the Lord, sing unto the Lord a new song, and his praise in the congregation of the saints. Isn't that where we are? Right? Let Israel rejoice in him that made him, and let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name in the dance, and let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and the harp. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. How many beautiful people are here? Have you been beautified with the salvation that God brings? Amen. Everybody say, I am beautiful. beautiful. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron to execute upon them the judgment written, this honor shall have all the saints. Folks, let me tell you what, it's a beautiful thing that God is using us to conquer his enemies, to to tread out his wrath in the winepress of God against all those who love darkness and death. Amen? Amen? It's a beautiful thing. And the psalm ends, Psalm 149, with praise ye the Lord. So let's say, praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we are thankful for your love and for, most of all, your mercy. Lord, for you indeed have loved us with an everlasting love. 
Lord, You have shown us great kindness, Lord, in calling us into Your house to worship You, Lord. You have, like the, the father of the prodigal, You have run off of Your porch, so to speak, and You have come to us who were covered in the stench of the world, and You have thrown a robe upon us, the fine robe, and placed a ring upon our hands that signifies that we are not just someone that you're helping, but that we're your child, we're your son, we are heirs, joint heirs together with Christ. Lord, we pray today, Lord, as we come into your presence, that the jubilation that came to the house of the prodigal would come in our hearts today, that we would sing, that we would offer up praises to you from a joyful heart for what you have done to us. Speak to us, change us, feed us. May we feast today upon your goodness. In Christ's name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. praise everybody say beautiful praise praise. my text is from psalm 33 and uh, i'm just going to read the first five verses but i'm going to cover the entire psalm psalm 33 starting in verse 1 rejoice in the lord O ye righteous for praise is comely for the upright praise the lord with the harp sing unto him with the psaltery and with an instrument of ten strings Sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully and with a loud noise. For the word of the Lord is right, and all of his works are done in truth. He loveth righteousness and judgment, and the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to this portion in the service where we long most of all to hear your voice. I pray in the sermon that I'm about to deliver that your Holy Spirit would fill my heart, fill my mouth, and speak to your people, that they would hear your words and not my own, that those words would be like the words that were spoken at creation, that they would create things, that they would put things into motion into the lives of your new creation here in this place. In Christ's name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Have you ever cleaned out your garage? You ever cleaned out a closet or even your whole house when a hundred church people have been over and completely destroyed it? I have a lot of experience in this. Uh, Many of you know that my kids and I, uh, and some of you actually have even helped do this, we used to go and there would be people who... Uh, who abandoned everything in their entire house, and we would go clean it up. And sometimes those people would be hoarders. Uh, I I remember going into a bedroom once, Ryan, that I had to clean out. It was on the top floor. And somehow the people had created so much trash in their life that their bed was two feet from the ceiling, laying on top of the trash that had accumulated And they slept two feet from the ceiling on a mattress on top of the trash. Now, that's pretty amazing, right? Now, there was something incredible about cleaning that place out. 
Because when you go in there, everything is wrong. Everything is not right. You're just like, I mean, I literally found uh, like Pete, like a roast from 15 years before in the plastic. Oh yeah, it was about three feet down, you know. And some, some, I guess they went to the grocery store and they set it aside. They forgot about it and it made its way in there and it's just there. You go, how's that even possible? It was. I don't know, but it was. Now, since we've done many of these, though, there's something that keeps you going when you start. You look at it and you're overwhelmed, but, but there's something that keeps you going. And I can tell you what it is. For those of you that have never done this, it's when you're done. There's a feeling that comes over you. There's like, it's like, ah. I mean, the whole world's a mess and it's falling apart. And bad, but I just conquered this place. And now it's right. It's the way it should be. You, you guys ever done this with your garage, right? You, you tear it all out. It's all over the yard. It's in the driveway. You're sweeping, you know. You get the water hose. You know, you're wanting every dust speck off of the thing, right? And you get it done and you're like, wow, isn't this awesome? I mean, it is something that is wonderful. Sometimes you stand back and you savor it or you even walk around looking. We, we do this... Uh, now, it's not cleaning, but it's actually decorating. Our family, once a year, gets all these uh, storage buckets out, and we decorate the home for Christmas. And there are these little villages and little skaters and little carolers and, and all this stuff and, and, and little tiny Christmas trees. I mean, there's got to be 500 of those things, you know, just everywhere. They're, they're on every shelf and whatever. And, and, and I love it when it's done. While it's going on, it makes me crazy. And my wife suggests that I go somewhere. <laughs> but there's something about after it's done and uh, everyone's in bed and the house is cleaned up. Maybe, maybe the family's about to come to visit, you know. And uh, I like to have, we have like little mood lights. You guys have like little lights that are not like the light lights, but they're little lights and you leave them on all the time. Anybody have this? It, it, maybe just people with little problems have these, but, but, but these little lights are all around, all over the house. And at night, Andy, we, I walk around and I feel like I'm in like a Christmas village, like a, a wonderland and the fire's going and, and the mood lights. And, and I look at these little villages and I just go, yeah. This is beautiful. This is this is amazing. I'm smelling the, you know, the the pine, you know, the real pine stuff. And and I'm looking at all and I just I'm like, this is what it should look like at the Robinette house on a holiday. Are you guys know what I'm talking about? Are you with me? Are you tracking? You might say, what in the world does this have to do with the Bible? The Bible says. That, that feeling that I'm talking about, that feeling that you get when you just go, yeah, this is right. This is, this is the way it should be. That's what this psalm is talking about, that when people praise God, that is when things are the way they should be. That when people lift their holy hands up to the Lord and they think of Him, Rather than grumbling. Rather than going, you know, it's a really bad day today. You know what I, I mean? So-and-so makes more money than I do. And, 
And you know what? I mean, I can't believe that this is going on in my life. I mean, when we talk like that, when we talk to each other, when we squabble, when we fight, when we're not thankful, when food is given to us, and we're like, I wish we had something else tonight. That's not the way it should be. But when we are thinking about God, and when we're thinking, because He doesn't make anything bad. He hasn't done anything wrong. In fact, what He's done is unlimited incredibleness. The book of Philippians reminds us, you know what, you'll go crazy thinking about all that other stuff, but if you want God, the God of peace to keep your heart and mind, you know what you should do? You should think on whatsoever is lovely. Whatsoever is of a good report. If there be any virtue and be any praise, think on these things. You see, that is when it's right. If you're in your house and you're doing anything else, it's like you're in a messy house. It's like everything's gross. Everything needs cleaned up. Every tool hanging in its pre-outlined place on the wall. Your sweater stacked perfectly folded on the shelf by type and color. As glorious as that is, as beautiful as it is, even for a short time, it reminds us that there is a space that we can live in where everything is right. And there's only one of those. It's not our closet. It's not our garage. It is standing before the Lord and beholding Him. He's never disorganized or a mess or dirty or out of place. Everything he does is right. Everyone say it with me. It's comely. Not really a word we use a lot, but that's what it's talking about here in Psalm 33. Praise is comely. That's what, that should be that's when everything is right. That's what should be coming out of our mouths, Brother Chris. We can c- complain. What happened when the Israelites complained? Did that work out for them? Uh-uh. You see, God knew it wasn't working out well in them, and it wasn't going to work out for them, and so he dealt with them for them. We might think, well, God's just mad that they complained about him. Well, they didn't have anything to complain about. That's what's wrong with us. We complain when there's nothing to complain about. They didn't even farm, Jason. God rained food from heaven for them. They didn't have to go shopping because their clothes wouldn't wear out. They didn't have to worry about the heat of the sun because he put a cloud to cover it up. And they didn't have to worry about being cold because he built them a fire every night. And yet, what did they do? They complained. Instead of looking up and going, isn't this awesome? I mean, how many of you love a bonfire? I do. Why? It's glorious. It's warm, it's exciting, it's moving, it's incredible. And they had a fire from God, a pillar of fire. Here in Psalm 33, the unknown author strikes this chord. Let's call it the comely chord. The beautiful chord of righteousness and order and what should be as he begins his song about beautiful praise. And as we progress through the lines of this love song of praise, we will see that the psalmist is pointing us to the beauty of six things. And I don't, and I'm not going to work through them like that. You know, I couldn't do that even if I tried. But one of them is the beauty of God's word, the beauty of God's creation, the beauty of his sovereignty and wisdom, 
his awesome power and his love. Does that give you enough things to think about other than woe is me and it's not working out and everything isn't the way I want it? Isn't that enough? Is it like you're going to run out of material if you just spent your time praying? What would you do if you had a child and instead of when they saw you, they were like, Dad, so-and-so's got this and I want this. Or someone took something from me. What if every time you encountered one of your children, Derek, they said, isn't God good? Hasn't God given us a lovely day, Dad? What would you do? You'd be like, yeah, he has. (laughs) Hasn't God been merciful to us, Dad? Isn't it amazing that we were born in the United States of America? Isn't it amazing that we can worship God today and no one's wanting to throw us in prison? What on earth would happen if our mouths were filled with praise like this instead of what they are filled with right now? That's what Psalm 33 is about. Beautiful praise. How many of you want to be the generators, the producers of beautiful praise? All right, we're going to talk about it verse by verse here. In verse 1, rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely. Praise is beautiful for the upright. Praise is desirable, beautiful, comely. It is appropriate when God's chosen people sing, when they lift their hands and their voices, when they play their instruments, when they sway like the wheat or dance like the waters of the ocean. It is lovely to behold. And this is what all creation was made for. Do you ever look at a tree? And, you, and it's doing this. We have this incredible tree out our front door. And our kid's like, if that tree ever dies, we're moving. <laughs> it's a maple tree. And it looks like a person with like five hands. Have you guys ever seen this tree? It's amazing. It, it, it has a canopy that covers my entire front of my house and my front yard. And it's under shade all day long. It's glorious. But at night, I go and I stand out on the porch, and that tree's arms are like this. And when it's wind, it gets doing this. And I do think, when I see it, I'm like, this tree's hands are always up. And there, as the wind blows through it, it's praising. That's why God has given us hands. You might think they're to put food in your mouth or uh, to go get something for you, but your hands were made to praise Him. That's when they're doing what they're supposed to do. When Jesus walked among us and we made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, as we heard in our reading as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the people threw down their clothing at the feet of his beast so it would not even have to touch the ground. And when they waved and laid down palm branches, reminding themselves of how they wave all day, how those trees wave all day, it reminded them of his goodness. And so they were among those who wanted them, though even in that moment, wanted them to stop. Right? I mean, this is too much. I mean, we've got things to do. Uh, This is not right. Uh, This is a waste of energy. What are you guys doing? This is just, could you tell them to stop? They declared this as the people cried, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees from among them said, Master, rebuke your disciples. And he answered and said to them, I'll tell you what, if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. Folks, praise is beautiful, but it's not only beautiful, it must be done. It will be done. 
All of creation waves and every grass that sways is worshiping God. I don't know if you've ever seen time-lapse photography of a flower as it comes up in the morning and the flower begins to turn and it follows the sun. Have you ever seen this? Do you guys know plants move? They move and they move and they're wanting their... To, and you might go, oh, well, this you know evolution over the past 600 million years has taught the plant that if it turns... Plants don't even have muscles. I don't think anybody even knows how they do this. Do plants have muscles? Do we, do we have any scientists in here? Where, where, where's, our, where's Brother Watts? He's smart. Where is he? He's in the bathroom. All right, he's listening to me. All right. When he comes out, if he can tell us where the muscles are for plants, I'd like to know. Okay? It was not only how it should be, it was how it must be and how the earth will be again as it is in heaven. When the six-winged seraph of Isaiah chapter 6, I saw the Lord on his throne, high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each had six wings. With twain they covered their face, with twain they covered their feet, and with twain they did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And amazing, again, the six-winged beasts of Revelation chapter 4, it says they rest not night and day, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and which is to come. And when the beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who lives forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fell down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before his throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they were created. That's what it's going to be like in heaven. Do you know... Our, what we're hoping for and what Jesus said we should pray for is that things should be, thy kingdom should come on earth as it is in heaven. What's the most beautiful, most wonderful, most appropriate, most useful thing that we could do with our hands? Wave them to God. What we could do with our voices, sing to God. What we could say with our words, praise about Him. Oh, people of God, what on earth would happen if that's what we did with our mouths? It was what all things were made for and what they and what we should do. And when we do it, the psalm says, it's beautiful. This is beautiful praise. We heard this in our call to worship, but I want... To say it again from Psalm 149, David declares, Praise ye the Lord, sing unto the Lord a new song, and his praise in the congregation of the saints. Let Israel rejoice in him that made him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and the harp. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people and he will beautify the meek with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory and let them sing aloud upon their beds. That's one thing I can give thanks for Pandora or Spotify for. It's an amazing thing. Woke up this morning and I have a station on Pandora called Second Chapter of Acts. I don't know if you've ever heard the group, but the first thing I heard this morning when I woke up was, Hear those bells ringing, they're singing that Christ is risen from the dead. And I'm like, yeah! 
I'm getting up, but I'm getting up on the Lord's day, the day that Christ rose from the dead. There's a way to start your day. I'm tempted to open up and scroll through Fox News and find out what happened when I was asleep. But it really doesn't quite matter too much. Because you know what has happened? Christ is risen from the dead. Wow. Sorry, guys. I know I'm cranked up. You know why I'm cranked up? I've been reading the Bible. And I'm reading about what's beautiful about what I should be doing. Some say, I don't know what to do. I'll tell you what to do. Talk about His goodness. Talk about His mercy. Praise Him. Sing about Him. Write songs about Him. Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. The psalmist uses two similar words to hone in on a particular point. God is not just wanting the sounds of praise. It's not as though a recording or just the audio or the video of it playing 24-7 brings Him delight. Because we could do that. We could have filmed the church praising the Lord and just put it on a loop for God to watch. That's, that's, God doesn't need that. We might need that. God doesn't need that. It's not as though anyone, no matter how or what he is, can just do it and bring great pleasure to God. It's when his people do it. When the elect do it, when the righteous and the upright, those that live godly and those that have been changed, he uses the word righteous and upright. Righteous means those who love God's law and those who are upright are those who keep it. Those who love it and those who keep it. He's saying that when God's people praise God, it's beautiful. Not just when we play it on a video or not just when it's done. We can, you know, get all the heathen in the world, get 2,000 heathen praising God who don't know him and don't love him and they could sing the same song and it's not beautiful to God like it is when you do it. Those that live godly, those that have been changed by God from the perversion of sin into the new man, when they do it, it is wonderful for God and man to behold. When someone doesn't know you, who has no history with you or no context, says something nice about you, it's one thing, but when your wife or your children or your fellow church members, those closest to you, offer sincere praise, it is something altogether different and special. The psalmist is saying, in verse 1 of Psalm 33, that beautiful praise comes from God's beautiful people. From here, the writer builds on this foundation and reminds us the many ways and the many reasons we as God's people can and should lift up the mighty name of our mighty God. Just in case we forget, I don't think I know anything good about God. I mean, he hasn't done for anything for me today. So if you can't think of anything today, the psalmist gives you a whole list that should leave you completely speechless with your complaints, speechless with worry, and it should fill your heart with joy. Verse 2, Praise the Lord with a harp, singing to Him with psaltery and an instrument of ten strings, singing to Him a new song and play skillfully with a loud noise. You know, to declare your love for your wife by saying I love you is one thing. To praise her for her diligence and her unceasing dedication to you and her children like my wife has is one thing, but to sing it is a whole nother thing. Amen? Why do birds suddenly appear every time you are near just like me? Do you guys know this song? They long to be close to you. Come on now. Oh, 
close to I mean, that's better than love you. Right? That's close to you by the carpenters for those of you that are taking notes, okay? If a man could be two places at one time, I'd be with you. Tomorrow and today, beside you all the way. I mean, come on. When you hear something like that, I mean, could you imagine being the woman that was written for? If the world should stop revolving, spinning slowly down to die, I'd spend the end with you. And when the world was through, right? What is that? That's a song. That's not just, that's what, that's what David's saying. Not only should we say it, we should sing it. We should write it. We should write music to it. We should learn how to play. Our sister Abby was telling us how hard she works practicing. And, and, and Abby, you made me real happy thinking about you practicing so that you can, and, and I'm sure many of you do this, but, but you're, I want to do this well. I want to hit the right notes. I want it to be pleasing to the Lord. You know, God wouldn't care if it was bad, but, but there's something in us that says, I want it to be good. Amen? You don't you write, write your wife a bad poem. She'd probably like it better than no poem, but if it were good, that'd be even better. <laughs> I mean, if you tried and you couldn't, uh, you know, write a good melody, but that'd be okay. But man, if you could sing like, you know, bread, you know, and when the world was still, and one by one, you know, whatever. So I think you get the picture. When that special someone takes the time to put their love for you in metered words, in melody and harmony to write parts for instruments, praise becomes all the more beautiful because it's harder. It takes more thought. And with all that God has made that we enjoy every day and all He has done for us, saving us from our sins, putting us to work, saving the world, it's not like you're going to run out of material to praise God. Amen? Oh yeah. And while you're at it, practice hard. Play skillfully. Master your instrument and play it loud. Now you know... The psalmist didn't have to put that in there. I think he put that in there for me. Play it loud. How many of you like loud music? I like loud music. I like to be all in it. I like to just be just all in it. You may not like some of the loud music. I like this too. But, but loud music is all encompassing. In verses 4 through 6, for those of you that might not know what to praise God for, he gives you something to praise Him for in verses 4 through 6. And it's God's Word. Everybody say God's Word. The psalmist declares his love for the Word of God like the precious lines on the page from the one who loves us most, God Himself. He who hath immortality, dwelling in an approachable light, whom they have seen nor can see, to whom be honor and glory and power everlasting, as Paul told Timothy. He has with his own finger burned his words on tables and tablets declaring the truth of who he is and who we are. You know, the world walks around and the number one question they ask is, who am I? What is my life for? What purpose do I have? And folks, that's not a question you should be asking. 
You should know that you were made for God. You were made by God. Your hands were made to praise Him. Your voice was made to sing and to, to praise His name. That's what you were made for. We may never see a physical manifestation of our King with a scepter in hand, thundering voice, shattering the mountains, but at, He has spoken to us in the still small voice of His law and the prophets and in the Psalms and in the stories of His judgment, mercy, and truth. Within the pages of these living words, we find hope, faith, joy, and love, and we find meaning. The answers to our heart's longing in the pages of Holy Scripture, His glory passes by us and He hides us in the rock of His truth. He is our hiding place today. He is our fortress and our defender and even just His words are such. Hearing His words should fill our hearts and our minds and our mouths and our whole being with beautiful praise. If you don't love God's Word, it's probably because you don't read it. I can tell you right now, there are... My wife was telling, talking the other day about things that I love. And she knows me pretty good. And there's, there's actually a handful, a very handful of things that I actually love. Physical things. But I'll tell you what. I love God's Word more than anything. I absolutely do. I love His Word. And it, everything's there. For me, when I read his word, I like I love God in a way like I just long to, to know him and to hear him and to understand him and to please him. That's what I want. And I found a way to do it. It's read his word and you'll find out what he wants from you. You'll find out what it is that you're supposed to do and what you're supposed to think about. And it's how you can love God. He's told us how. That's why we learn to read. That's why we teach our children to read. So that they can read what he has said. Yeah. Psalm 119, 178 verses singing about the glory of the word of God. Verse 4, for the word is, verse 4 of Psalm 33, for the word of the Lord is right. And all his works are done in truth. He loves righteousness and judgment and the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Folks, He has not left us without His Word. Love it. Hide it in your heart. Learn it. Turn it into songs. Sing about it. Talk about it. Quote it. Memorize it. Fill your heart and mind with it. It will speak to you in the night. It will come to you in your darkest hours. It will be the whisper of God on your life. Some of you say, I want to know how to hear from God. We have already heard from God. So many people walk around, even Christians, and, and they're, they're lost in something that isn't true. And it's only because they didn't look in God's Word to know. God's Word answers our questions and, and, and helps us understand what is so hard to understand. And yes, his ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. But still yet, he's giving us, he's given us his word as a picture and a shadow and an image so that we can try. In verse 6, the psalmist reminds us of the power of these words to create the world that should remind us of John's words of introduction as he introduced his gospel. In the beginning was the word. 
the Word was made flesh, and the Word dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Isn't it amazing that we see the glory of God in His words, and that Christ Himself, the Bible said, is the Word made flesh, as it says in John 1.14, and His Word was made flesh, and it dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. By Him were all things made, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and His life was the light of men. Psalm 33, verse 6, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of His mouth. Knowing this should fill our hearts and our hands and our lives with beautiful praise. Say it with me. Beautiful praise. Verses 7 through 9 extol the magnificent reality that brings us to our fullness of joy. The reality of God's creation that came through His spoken word. He said, let there be light. And there was light. How many of you, you know, I've seen sunsets and sunrises all over the world. And normally when I am traveling around the world, I'm on a different schedule. And I, I see a lot more sunrises. In my life, Andy, I don't get up and walk out and look out. Hey, look here, the sun's coming up. But I've seen the sun rising over Bagan. I've seen the sun sitting over Mandalay. I've seen, and I'll tell you what, it never gets old. It never gets old. To watch the sun coming up and remembering that one day there was darkness, but God said, let there be light. And the sun blazed 93 million miles away, perfect distance from the earth to warm us, to feed us, to feed the plants, to make life and blooms and glory. We could never run out of songs for the sun and all the sun is, is just one of the things that he made. Psalm 33, verses 7 through 9. He gathers the water of the sea together as a heap, and he lays up the depths in his storehouses. How many of you love water? Oh, I do. I love to swim in it. I love to be on it. I love to be near it. I love for it to go up and go up. And back, and I love the sound that it makes as it comes and it crashes on the shore. I love how it explodes against the rocks. My wife and I saw the uh, water exploding on the rocks uh, just north of San Francisco. And this place is just magnificent as the waves of the Pacific are smashing on these rocks and splashing all day long. And what they're saying is God is mighty. He has made this. We have not made ourselves. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays the depths in his storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord and let the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Wow. I don't know if any of you have ever seen a lagoon. I don't know if you've ever swam in one. My wife and I got to swim in this lagoon in Hawaii back in 1996. And I'm still living on it right now. You could see 100 feet underwater and there's sea turtles swimming and coral reef and colored fish. And I'm like, what on tarnation is this? We went up in the mountains, Mount Waimea, where more rain rains than any place in the world where there's 10,000 waterfalls. And they said, you know what never happens here? What they said, it never really rains. It's liquid sunshine. <laughs> 
And folks, they're not joking around. Everywhere there are trees blooming with flowers on the trees and, and, and flowers everywhere. And it's glorious. He spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Creation as we experience it should fill us with beautiful praise. And it should guide us into another facet of the wonder and security that He provides, that He's taught us about Himself. Not only is His Word magnificent, not only is His creation amazing, but He Himself, His sovereignty and His power, the truth that He rules everything, should bring you security. You know, I've heard that the number one thing women want is security. The number one thing actually people want is just security. They just, they just want to know that it's going to be all right. There is nothing more calming than the doctrine of God's sovereignty. You know, God has not been taken off guard by anything. There is nothing He cannot do. There is no one He cannot save. There is nothing that comes upon Him and surprises Him that He has to deal with. He's doing the dealing Himself. He is the sovereign Creator of the universe. He spoke and it was. He looked into eternity and He saw you. And the Bible said that before the foundation of the world, He chose you in Him. That you would be holy and without blame before Him in love. And you go, but I'm not. I know that my hands are covered with the blood of my own sin. And God said, oh yeah, I knew that was going to happen. And so what I did is I provided a way that though your sins are scarlet, they shall be made white as wool. And though sin would, could be held account to you, and though hell that was made for the devil and his angels is now for those who refuse to know him, I have made a place for you. And I have provided a way. And I, as I begin this work in your life, I'm going to take you there. And just so you know it, I've already done it. There's no undoing it. That's security. When I came to understand that I was saved and that no dumb thing I could do, no horrible thing that I might uh, fall into in my life is ever going to change that fact that God in His great mercy has not only saved me, but He will keep me saved. That He is not only the author, He is the finisher. That He is not only the beginning, but He is the end. The power of God's sovereignty should fill you with praise in your mouth to say, you know what, it may be rough today. I may be dying right now today. But let me tell you who holds tomorrow. Today, right now, I may be feeling pain. I may feel overwhelmed. But let me tell you, He is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He's my God. He will never leave me nor forsake me. And He hasn't left me right now. In my life, there have been times that I cried and I said, Oh God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me? Why can you not hear me, oh God? Just as David oftentimes prayed in his prayer. But the truth is, is He never left. He never forsook. And there was never anything I spoke that He could not hear. His arm is not short. I heard the story of a man that just broke my heart. I won't tell you all about it, but there was a moment in his life that I got to share with you. His daughter was dying and they rushed her to the hospital in Brazil. They couldn't speak to the people. They couldn't explain to him. And they looked and there was a waiting room filled with dozens and dozens of people. And they just said to wait. And his daughter is dying in his arms. And he's like, oh, dear God. When they finally do get her in there, she's so bad off that she barely has a pulse. She she, she, they go and they try to put uh, an IV in her arm and they're putting it in and putting it in and putting it in and it won't and they just give up. And they're like, my God, we can't even talk to them. My, my daughter's going to die. They can't get any fluid in her. She's dehydrated. We don't know what to do. 
And he said, a doctor came in and explained, we're going to have to put the IV in her heel. It's going to hurt her so bad. She's going to scream and cry for pain, but you have to sit on her. You have to hold her still. He wrote, he wrote about this as he sat on his daughter's legs and she screamed and she cried. And they put the IV in her heel. And he began to think, if someone were out there and they didn't know what was behind it all and they saw me doing this, they would say, he doesn't love his daughter. He doesn't care for her that she's in pain. He's not delivering her from this horrible torture that's going on. And if someone did not know what was going on, that's the conclusion that they would make. But what was holding him on his daughter's legs that day was love. And many times what God is doing to us, as painful as it is, as difficult as it is to bear in the moment, let me tell you, good people of God, He loves you. Amen. And what He's doing in your life, He's doing for your good. You may not see it, you may not understand it, but you should know that it's true. Amen. The Lord bringeth, it says in uh, verse 10 through 15, the Lord brings the counsel of the heathen to naught. He makes the devices of people of none effect. Does this sound like a God who's waiting and seeing what they're going to do, who can't figure out what to do, who only responds and, and to what they're doing, or does it sound like He's in charge? He makes their devices and the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The thoughts of His heart are all to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and whose people He hath chosen for an inheritance. You chose God, certainly you did, but you didn't do it before He chose you. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were powerless to do anything. I was talking to someone about this recently, and they're like, I don't understand. I don't understand it. The Bible says you were dead. What do dead people ask for? They ask for nothing. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. It says when we were yet without strength not with a little strength and barely any strength left no when you were without strength in due time christ died for the ungodly that god in his mercy loved us in that while we were sinners while we were not seeking him while we did not love him although we were not reaching out our hands god gave us hands that would reach out although our ears were stopped because we were dead although our eyes were dark because we were blind we were blind in our deadness god said i'm going to give you eyes and your eyes, they won't just be the eyes of the others. They'll be eyes that can see me. I'm going to give you ears and your ears are going to hear me. That's what God's done. It's not just that uh, you were pretty good and, and you know what? You just needed a little help and you needed a co-pilot for your plane. No. You were dead in your trespasses and sins and God loved you. He chose you. And then you know what you did right after that? You chose him. Because now you can. You had a mouth that could do it. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, whose people he hath chosen for his own generation. The Lord looks from heaven. He beholds the sons of men from the place of his habitation. He looks upon the inhabitants of the earth. He fashions their hearts alike and he considers all of their works. His majestic power over all his creation should fill our hearts with beautiful praise. Everybody say beautiful praise. Verse 16, his awesome power. There is no king, it says in verse 16, there is no king saved by the multitude of a host. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. A horse is a vain thing for safety and neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. We watched a documentary on uh, the uh, 
I don't even know what the subject of it was, but they were dealing with the chariots of the Hittites and the Egyptians. And they were showing that these chariots, they had 25,000 of these, and they could really, really uh, move fast. And that when an army, let's say this is an army right here, that these chariots would move and they had archers on them and the chariots would not run over top of them or run into them, but they would go in a circle and they would get just close enough for the archer there to go, and they would turn. So while they're, they're shooting, boom, 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 as they turn, the next chariot's behind, boom, boom, boom. And they said that the rate of fire from them rivals a Huey Cobra helicopter of arrows going into just a never-ending procession of these circular chariots coming in and coming in and firing and firing and firing. Boom, 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 boom. And could you imagine seeing that? They talked about they talked about this incredible battle between the Egyptians and uh, Kadesh, which is near the biblical place of Kadesh Barnea. And they were talking about the might of it all. And when I was reading the psalm, I'm like, oh, he says, yeah, the horse is a vain thing. Any man thinks he's really saved by the multitude of his horses, by the number of his chariots, by the power that he said, you don't understand. God sets up kingdoms and God brings kingdoms down. That's why he told, this, he told the people, he said, Israel, you are not to trust in chariots. You're not to trust in horses. In fact, Israelites were not, Israelite kings were not permitted to own horses. But they did. Why? Because they didn't trust the Lord, and that's why they lost. There's no king saved by the multitude of the host. The mighty man is not delivered by much strength. A horse is a vain thing for safety. Neither shall he deliver by his strength. He's saying, I have the power. I'm sovereign, and I have the power over all of these things. You may look at this mighty army, and it may seem impossible for you to defeat, but let me explain to you, they don't have any power but the power that I give them. It's another affirmation of God's power and His sovereignty all at once. His power, His Word, His creation, His sovereignty, His counsel should fill up with beautiful praise, but nothing, everybody say nothing. Nothing should fill us with beautiful praise like one thing. And that's God's mercy. It is the weightiest matter of all to consider. We could spend countless days exploring this, and in the end, we would be exalted higher and higher each day as we studied it in our love for Him would grow deeper. I really think that it is one of the greatest gifts that He gives us. Morning by morning, day by day, His mercies are new for us. And if His sovereignty doesn't impress you and doesn't fill your mouth with praise, if His power, if His creation, if thundering waters and waterfalls and mountain peaks don't do it for you, Oh, there's something that is a vista that all of us have seen. Maybe everyone won't go to see, you know, Mount this. Or maybe everyone won't go to see, you know, this thing over there. But there's something that we all can see from right here in our pews and right here in Mount Sterling and right here where you live. And that is the mercy of God. And I love how the psalmist brings us to the point where you can, you want to praise God, praise Him for a lot. But there's the last most glorious, most wonderful thing of all, the most beautiful aspect of God's holiness, at least for us, is that He's merciful. Let me read for you the last portion of this psalm. Verses 18 through 22, He says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear Him and upon them that hope in His mercy. How many of you hope in His mercy? 
Folks, that's the only thing you have to hope in. There's no hope. Folks, you know what? And I'm not trying to scare you. We may all, every one of us may get the coronavirus or Ebola or whatever or the Black Plague or whatever. Whatever. You might go, well, that's terrible. But we're all going to die someday of something anyway, right? It's his mercy that we've lived today. It's his mercy that he's given us each other. He said he will deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waiteth for the Lord for he is our help and our shield for our heart shall rejoice in him. Because we have trusted in his holy name. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in thee. Oh, folks, today, if your mouths are filled with praise for anything, if none of these things impress you, may God's mercy be your song. May it be what you talk about. May you sing of God's amazing grace. Right? It's amazing that His mercy endures forever. It's amazing that they're new every morning. You know what's amazing to me, Jonathan? We were talking about this in the car. We talk about a lot of things, but we were talking about this in the car. There's a scripture in Ephesians chapter 1 that says, Those he foreknew, that he chose them. And someone was trying to explain what that meant was, that God looked into the future and he saw how good Andy was going to be. And he knew that Andy in the end was going to really straighten up and be good. And so God looked at Andy and saved him because Andy was going to be good. If that's what you think foreknowing is by God, I think you're a fool today. You know what God foreknew about you, Brother Watts? That you're going to sin. And that you're going to fall short of the glory of God. And that you're going to do wrong and that as hard as you try that in this sinful body that you live that you are not going to live up to the standard of God's law. And he knew that. But you know what he did? He prepared a place in heaven for you. He provided salvation for you. He gave you a wife who loves you and children. And he said, he doesn't deserve it, but I just love him. And I'm going to give it to him because he's my son. And not only has he saved us from sin, but he saved us to the work of saving the world. Oh, what a mercy it is that we who were weak and whose hands could not be lifted up and no one could hold them up like they held up Moses' hands, hands that had nothing in them, God has put the strength of his mighty power. The Bible says that his mighty power has been wrought in you and that you indeed will ride with him. You know what? I don't know why it was when I was a kid. I could not get this image out of my mind. And the image from Revelation where King Jesus goes riding out and we all are riding with him. Can you, do you guys, have you ever seen that image in your mind? Could you imagine riding a horse behind Jesus into battle? You're not going, hope he wins. <laughs> I hope I don't get hit by an arrow. You're kind of like, I will eat an arrow. <laughs> hit me with a sword. It will bounce off of my body. 
I will step off of the horse and I will cut them in half. You know, you know. I'm with Jesus. Thunders and lightnings proceeds out of his mouth. He goes, and the Bible says that the blood will flow up to the bridles of the horses or, you know, wow. Wow. Maybe I'm just a crazy warrior. I don't know, but the whole thought of it, wow. That's a mercy. You know, when the prodigal came, and I've I, I talked about this or prayed about it earlier, when the prodigal came, he just wanted to just have some food. He's like, you know what? Hey, my father's slaves are better off than I am. I'm eating food out of a, a, a pig pen, and there's really not even enough food in the pig pen, or I probably would have stayed there. But maybe, maybe I can just hang out in the, in the house of one of his servants. God didn't. He gives us that picture because that's not what he does. He puts a robe on us. He kills the fattened calf. He puts a ring on our finger. He kisses us. And we think, oh, but we're so dirty. And he says, oh, no, you're not. I've made provision for that. He doesn't even see our sin. He sees us how we will be. If that doesn't fill you with praise and beautiful praise from your mouth, I don't think anything can. We long for ourselves to see ourselves clean. And so we clean up. But folks, you can't, you can't clean up. There's no cleaning up you can do to make yourself clean. Can't do it. Sometimes I think that our efforts that we waste trying to do that frustrate the grace of God in our lives because we convince ourselves that somehow, one day when we go to heaven, God's going to be impressed with us because of what we've done. But folks, today, be clear about this. You can never do it. I'm not saying don't try, but I'm just saying don't try with the thought in mind that somehow God's going to go, now that, no, no, now that's great, Luke. I mean, what you did with your family, whoa, that was amazing. Wow. I mean, Laura was a pill, but you straightened her out, you know, and she's not here, so I thought I'd. Well, no. But the Bible says that not only will our sins not be imputed to us, but that the righteousness of God will be given to us and accounted to us, folks. If his sovereignty, if his power, if his counsel, if, his, if, the create, if none of that does it for you, I pray today that the picture of his mercy will fill your mouth with beautiful praise. I'm going to end by reading. I was going to read it. I'll read it. From a real Bible. It's amazing. It's amazing. We'll actually get a real Bible here today. Psalm 33. I'll read the whole thing from beginning to end and we'll close. I'm really enjoying these Psalms, folks. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise is comely. For the upright. Praise the Lord with the harp. Sing unto him with the psaltery and the instrument of ten strings. Sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise. For the word of the Lord is right and all of his works are done in truth. He loves righteousness and judgment. And the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathereth the waters of the sea together as a heap and he lays up the depth 
in the storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord and all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He makes the devices of the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and whose people whom he hath chosen for his inheritance. For the Lord looketh from heaven and he beholds all the sons of men. From the place of his habitation he looks on the inhabitants of the earth. He fashioned their hearts alike and he considers their works. There is no king saved by a multitude of a host. A mighty man is not delivered by his much strength. A horse is a vain thing for safety, and neither shall he deliver any by his own great power. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, and upon them that hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death, to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waiteth for the Lord, for he is our help and our shield. For our hearts shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in thee. Let us pray. What an incredible reminder you have given us in this song. What an incredible easy thing today we have to do is just open our mouths and talk about your goodness. Lord, what if we just did that all day? What a better day we would have. What fighting we wouldn't have in our homes. and What jealousy we wouldn't have in our heart. What covetousness we would not, our minds would not be filled with. What it would be like to have no complaints but only praise. Oh Lord, fill our mouths with beautiful praise today. In Christ's name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you. Oh,